It was called Lower Court, and I feared it more than anywhere else in the world. Even now, 40 years later, I feel an unpleasant sensation in my stomach and a darkening of my mood when I remember Lower Court. I went into Lower Court just twice a year, but both times caused me overwhelming feelings of helplessness. It was a dimly lit, poorly heated, seen better days block of brick classrooms in my secondary school. If a TV producer were looking to film a drama featuring stiff upper lip Brits between the two world wars, Lower Court would be the sort of place they'd film it, with its crumbling bricks and its lead drainpipes with peeling paint. It would be the stables, though, and not the big house. Actually, most of my secondary school had seen better days. It was built in 1554, but unlike the main school building, which had received centuries of loving care befitting its historic status, Lower Court had been thrown up in the early 20th century and hadn't received the special attention its older sibling had. So, just seeing it standing next to the original school gave you a depressing feeling like you'd get if you saw a McDonald's next to St Paul's Cathedral. Lower Court was a testing place and not just on the eyes. It was where the mind and the soul of a boy were tested. We went there for exams and only exams. It was the scene of some of my most disabling humiliation. In my early teens, I was a very poor student, and lower court proved it. Friends, who were more well-adjusted than I, didn't face lower court with the same trepidation. For many, it was actually a nice change to the grind of regular classes. For them, lower court was also a place of testing, but it brought out the best in them. You see, lower court brought out what was in there, deep in the head and the soul of each boy, learning, in their cases, ignorance in mine. There was no way around lower court. You had to go there every December and every June, just when a boy's mind was turning to the Christmas holidays and long summer vacations. But to get to those places of joy, he had to go through lower court. There was no way around lower court, and it brought out what was in there. There was no way around it, and it brought out what was in here. Where is your place of testing? The crucible that brings out what is in your heart and your soul, with no way to finesse it or spin it or deny it. I know you have one, at least one, because Jesus did. And if he had places that he couldn't avoid and that brought out what was inside him, then what makes us think we can escape ours? One of those places of testing was Gethsemane. He couldn't escape it. He had to go through it. 
and it brought out his humanness, his fear of pain and death, the agony of rejection by his friends, his terror of what he knew awaited him in the next 24 hours. But it brought out the courage, resolve, humility, love and total submission to God's will which were also in his human heart. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Gethsemane isn't for 40 days yet. Before we get there, we must watch Jesus endure another place of testing. There's no way around it. He can't avoid it. And like all our lower courts, it brought out what was in him. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now, wait a minute. Where is the detailed description of the boxing match between Jesus and the devil? Uh, what has happened to the jabs of accusation and temptation? If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread and jump off the temple. And where are the dodges and weaves and counterpunches of Jesus quoting scripture and standing firm in his resistance? Well, not here, not in Mark's gospel. Uh, Mark is in a hurry. If you want the details, you've got to go to Matthew or Luke. Mark gives it to us in just two sentences. Spirit, wilderness, Satan, beasts and angels. Jesus couldn't get around it, he had to go through it, and it brought out what was in him. I say he had to go through it, and Mark really wants us to know this. The word he uses that our version translates drove into the wilderness is the same verb he uses when Jesus casts out demons. It's a forceful, almost violent throwing out. The Holy Spirit, says Mark, takes Jesus and throws him into the desert. There's no getting away from this. And there's no getting away escaping our places of testing either. It may be a difficult time at work, or a painful relationship, or a physical or mental illness, or a loss of income, the end of your job or business. And did I mention a pandemic? 50 weeks ago, we were thrown into a place of severe testing. There was nothing we could do to avoid it. We deny it at our peril, but it is bringing out what is in us. The message of the Gospels, and especially this first Sunday of Lent, is that the testing place awaits us. We can't get around it, we can't avoid it, and it will bring out what's in us. Where is your testing place? For many, it is the city where the lights dazzle, where the costumes sparkle, the money talks and the trivia swears. 
for some, temptation swaggers around the big city with its pursuit of wealth, its display of vulgarity, its strut of arrogance, its pockets of poverty and enclaves of injustice. No time to care, too busy to show grace, got to push and shout and curse. We expect temptation to lurk in the casino, to stalk us in the bar, seduce us in the ice cream parlour, ensnare us in the mindless gathering of experiences that glint in the neon light but fade to nothing in the dawn, and to trap us in the accumulation of objects that excite us in the mall but bore us in our homes. But when Jesus faced his temptations, he went not into the city, but into the desert, alone. The desert is the place where hunger depletes you, where silence deafens you, where death enshrouds you. It's the home, says Mark, of wild beasts. In the desert, you go mad. The isolation muddles your mind. The heat plays tricks on your eyes. The silence amplifies the voices in your head. In the desert, on your enemy's territory, you have nowhere to hide, no distractions to amuse you, no company to stimulate you, no additives to lift you. It's just you, your fears, your insecurities, your frailties, your doubts, your demons. In the desert, no one can hear you scream. It should come as no surprise that for Jesus, the place of temptation is not the city, but the wilderness. His love for people meant that he could always find beauty in the metropolis. Wherever there were human beings, he could see God's hand, God's presence, the bearers of God's image. But away from the gorgeous God-bearers that are children, women and men, Jesus was vulnerable to the lies, the human appetites, the enticing thoughts of power, wealth and fame. This is a word to me. It is God's reminder that, that I'm vulnerable when I'm isolated and in a pandemic, It's easy to become isolated, even if you share your home with someone else. When I cut myself off from my community, from people who love and care for me, then I am less able to tune out the screeching of the beasts in my brain and the whispers that remind me of my failures, that persuade me that God is mad at me, that convince me that he won't provide for all my needs, so I'd better cut corners, break rules, take matters into my own hands. When I am isolated, the wild beasts circle me and snarl. Then I feel despair. Then I know the accusations that come not from men or women, but from the enemy of our souls. Then I doubt the love of God and the goodness of his call. When I am isolated, the devil takes a magnifying glass to my challenges and makes them appear bigger than they are. 
bigger even than God's mercy and the Holy Spirit's gracious strength, then my life is out of perspective and I want to give up. <clears throat> this has been one of the savage ways the pandemic has caused havoc. The tragedy of people dying without their loved ones. The suffocating loneliness of people who are on their own. The longing of families and friends to see each other again. Is it any wonder that the Kaiser Family Foundation estimated that just last month alone, 41% of American adults reported symptoms of anxiety disorder and or depressive disorder. That's nearly half the population right now living with anxiety or depression. That's four times the usual number. There are wild beasts in the desert. They messed with the mind of Jesus and they, they will most surely do so with ours. If you are feeling angrier than normal or more depressed than normal or more addicted to things than normal or more hopeless than normal, then it is okay. The beasts messed with the head of Jesus and we can't expect any less for ourselves there are beasts in the desert. A measure of how the beasts of mental ill health are attacking all of us is contained in this true poem that I found last week. If you can start your day without caffeine or pills, if you can understand when loved ones are too busy to give you time, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without drugs, if you can do all these things, then you're probably a dog. But, you know, there's got to be a but, doesn't there? There's always a but with God, and here it is. As well as the beasts in the desert, there are angels. Mark says so. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, but angels waited on him. There are angels waiting on you. They went with you into the desert when the Holy Spirit threw you out there and they've been there all the time. It may be the wild beasts that make the most noise but the angels are here whispering their words of calm and hope. Sometimes they come in human form which is why we can't afford to cut ourselves off from each other. Sometimes they come in other forms like our amazing technology but God has sent them to support us and strengthen us until our 40 days in the desert are over and we can return to civilization. May God go with you this week in the desert. May you hear the voices of the angels drowning out the cries and the snarls of the wild beasts. And may you have courage and perseverance to make it to the end of our 40 days. Amen.